Hey, this is Ben Fraser. Welcome to episode six of Brick House, the podcast, tips and tricks for quitting porn. Today, I'm going to talk about my story part two. If you missed my story part one, you can go back to episode four. So um, at the end of the last episode, um, I had just gotten a book from my mother called Boys and Sex. The author of that is Wardell B. Pomeroy. I was 11 years old, 12 years old, something like that. And uh, around the house, there were all these Playboy magazines that my dad subscribed to. And they were stacked up in the garage, in my father's nightstand. Sometimes they would come in the mail. Uh, So there's very easy access to these magazines. But until I got this book, I had not made the connection between magazines and masturbation because I was just I was just learning about what masturbation was from this book that my mom gave me. So thinking about this now, it's really interesting that my mom gave me this book. My dad kind of supplied all these magazines. It's kind of the perfect recipe for becoming a porn addict, really. Except there was one thing that... Um, one other ingredient we need to become an addict, and that is uh, some emotional component. So what was that? That, in my case, was loneliness. It was feeling isolated. So there wasn't any like abuse or severe trauma or anything like that. Probably many of you have experienced uh, abuse and trauma of various kinds. Uh, there was nothing like that in my case. But um, just feeling lonely and isolated Uh, was enough, really, to make me seek comfort. And the comfort that was presented to me, (laughs) it was kind of handed to me on a plate, really, was masturbation to porn. Because there was a chapter in this book that said, uh, sometimes boys like to masturbate while looking at pictures. So that was basically like, oh, this is okay. My mother gave me this book that says this is okay. Here we go. I have the book. I have the pictures. Let's go. So my very first experience of masturbation was looking at a magazine. And I remember this exact picture. I, I, can, I can still summon it clearly in my mind. Perhaps some of you can as well. Um, what's interesting to me now is that this picture was a woman um, with a fairly full figure. I'm just going to say that. Um, So, and the reason that's interesting is because, to me, that kind of full figure is very, um, makes me think of a mother figure, okay? Um, So, I think it's significant that I was kind of feeling separated from my mother, and the, the image that gave me comfort was a picture that was sort of motherly. Of course, there's a sexual component, which is a little weird, um, but I guess you can get all Freudian on that if you want. But I think the point is that I was not getting the kind of nurturing and love I wanted from my mother, and my imagination kind of put nurturing and love onto this picture, and that was the kind of the feedback loop that that worked for me. It's like I kind of convinced myself that this picture was giving me love and and acceptance and what I wanted, and looking at her face, she was doing that. So my imagination filled in the details. And for me, that's honestly a big part of the appeal is I can pretend like this picture, this image, this video wants me, loves me, wants to make me happy. That is the false promise of porn right there. And that is the seed of my addiction.
right there. So when I found this powerful pleasure mixed in with this imaginary love and nurturing, um, I wanted more. And I kept trying to get more. And I just kept on going and going. So it became a very a daily occurrence as a kid. And then there was this other component, which added a little excitement to it, of kind of sneaking around the house, um, finding magazines, sneaking them back to my room. Sometimes I'd do it in broad daylight. <laughs> I remember, I remember uh, sneaking, like... Um, the magazines were in the garage and I had a laundry basket and I'd, and I'd walk past the washing machine to and the dryer to get to the garage and I'd sneak into the garage, look at a couple of magazines real quick, see if I could find the ones that I thought would be good and then I'd bring them into the laundry room, put them in the laundry basket, put some laundry on top of that and then sneak it back to my room. I thought I was very clever and that would get my heart rate going and just <clears throat> definitely add to the excitement. So even though there were magazines around, I didn't feel comfortable just kind of, you know, walking past my parents with a magazine in my hand to my room. I, um, you know, it's it's interesting that we, even though the, the magazines were around, we, there was never any discussion about them. There was never any, hey, what do you think about this magazine being around the house? Have you looked at, have you looked at September's issue? It's pretty good. There's a good article about soccer in there. No. Um, it was ignored. It wasn't. It wasn't talked about at all, even though it was right there. That's how my family was. So this went on for years and years. This uh, well, so long as I was living in my parents' house, I was looking at magazines and I was sneaking them from my father, and we never talked about it. A couple times I got caught, um, which is another story. Um, but even so, that was never really talked about, and I think they just basically looked the other way. I'm pretty sure my father must have known that uh, his favorite magazine was not the place where he left it, but he never asked me about that. So, and there were a few times when I kind of thought to myself, I don't like, I don't like that I'm doing this all the time. I should stop. And I tried to stop, but I wasn't able to. The other thing is that I never talked about this with anybody. I never like told my friends. I never, you know, there was an incident at school one time where somebody brought in a centerfold and showed it in the boys' bathroom. And, um, you know, I didn't say, hey, I have some of those at home too. Maybe we should discuss this. What's going on here? No, that didn't happen. Um, so there, I, had, I had a lot of shame around it because I guess I felt like this is not really what I should be doing. Um, so um, to, to wrap up here, I want to kind of think about what, what this means in terms of how we think about ourselves. Um, because it's easy to feel shame around this addiction. It's easy to feel like it's our fault. But, you know, when thinking about the story about this kid who I used to be, I can't blame that 11-year-old for the addiction that I have now. I, I can't. I feel like... Of course he got addicted. The father the father has the magazines, the mother gives the book, and the kid is disconnected from both of them. He wants to be loved, he wants to feel some some way of soothing himself. Of course that's what he finds, and of course he continues to do it, and of course it becomes compulsive. It seems like it had to happen that way. You know, and you can think about of of course I was 
that person, I, that boy I was, was making conscious choices, but I wasn't choosing to be an addict. I wasn't choosing to have this habit that would kind of end up being a really pro- big problem for me as I grew up. I wasn't choosing that. So I don't want to blame myself and I want to let myself off the hook for this and um, focus on um, what I need to do to stay sober, to be in recovery, to to not have this be a problem. So that's what I want to leave you with today. And uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, if you want to watch the Brick House web series or listen to other podcast episodes, go to BrickHouseWebSeries.com. If you're enjoying listening and finding it useful, please subscribe and give a rating on iTunes. Remember, it's not your fault.